Hello and welcome to the Wanderer podcast. Many thanks for downloading, streaming, however it is you're listening, you're very welcome. We are on Twitter at Wanderer Podcast and we are on all the main podcast providers as well. If you do like us, then do please spread the word. My name is Phil Slatter, I'm your host and joining me this evening is Mr George Taylor. Evening George. Yeah, good evening Phil. You join me from the sports room at uh, Shea Taylor. Uh, the wife's next door watching uh, Dancing on Ice, but I've uh, I've moved into the sports room been watching Senegal versus Equatorial Guinea. You join us on Sunday evening. Uh, but I have now flicked over to the T20 decider against uh, England versus West Indies. I just wondered what your sports choice tonight was. Um, I watched the first half of the Senegal game. It's now one all. Um, Equatorial Guinea have equalised. Senegal were abs- should, should be absolutely murdering them uh, based on the first half. I don't quite know what's going on there. I might flick back and find out what's going on. Yeah, I've... Um not been following the African Cup of Nations too closely. Have been watching the T20 uh, this week. It's been quite exciting. It's been nice to watch England not get thrashed um, every single evening. So that should be a good decider. But we're here to talk about uh, the, the biggest sports team in the world, of course, uh, the mighty Wickham Wanderers. And we're recording the day after the 1-0 defeat to Milton Keynes. George, did you see the game? No, basically. No. <laughs> well, it's probably the first one of the first games I've missed all season. I was actually... Um, in the mass banks of uh, supporters at Flackwell Heath uh, right. yesterday. They uh, they had their uh, charity day, their well-publicised charity day last weekend, which I missed because I was in Morecambe. Um, so I ended up going this weekend instead. Uh, they they lost 2-1, uh, I'm afraid to report, having gone a goal up against local rivals, local rivals, Risborough Rangers. Suffice to say, I think you probably had a more enjoyable uh, experience than I did watching Wickham lose to, to Milton Keynes at, at, uh, at Adams Park. It was a pretty miserable afternoon for a, a lot of reasons that have been well documented and well discussed. But sticking to matters on the pitch, it's only the second time Wickham have failed to score at Adams Park this season after the in the league, of course, after the 1-0 defeat to Portsmouth uh, a few months back. And I felt that yesterday we really lacked shape uh, certainly in the first half with no Akin Femor or Vokes, no focal point of the attack. We um, looked better after the break, but still didn't really get through a, a very well-organised Milton Keynes defence. We never really created anything. We didn't test their goalkeeper. It was probably the poorest I've seen us play, certainly at home this season. And it seemed to sort of stem from that second half against Morecambe, which you were at, George. I mean, the problem there was we just weren't good enough defensively, whereas against Milton Keynes, we just weren't good enough uh, at the uh, other end of the pitch. Yeah, to be honest, Morecambe, by the sounds of it, wasn't wasn't much better from my point of view. I thought Wickham were particularly poor. It was certainly one of the poorest um, games I've seen all season. Um, that I won't take too much away from Morecambe because I thought, uh, given their their run and, and where they are in the league, I actually thought they were, they were quite impressive. And it was almost a rerun of the first game that we played against them at Adams Park where we managed to scrape a, a 4-3. Uh, and it was virtually the same thing. We just didn't just didn't take as, as much luck as we did in the first game into the second game. That's all it was. Uh, the pitch didn't didn't really play in, into our uh, into our favour. I did think maybe, uh, I know it's never never a bad time to score, but scoring in those two minutes, you've kind of in you kind of felt scoring after so so quickly that all of a sudden we'd gone into cruise control. I, I would actually probably say the same about ours as well. They didn't, apart from the, the goals, they didn't create a huge amount either. And the, the goals were, were the, the most genuine chances of the game. There was little else um, much, much going on, to be honest. So, um, yeah, long long way to go for a, uh, a fairly dross performance, to be honest. 
I think we went top of the league. We'd had some big, big games against Sunderland, Oxford, <clears throat> obviously playing away at Bolton and Charlton. Do you think it was just, was it just complacency? Did they really maybe think, are oh, we just going to turn up and win this game? Even though Morecambe have caused us problems in the past. I don't, I, I wouldn't like to say that, but that was my instinct at the time watching, watching the game. Uh, I do think that, that particularly because we went a goal up so quickly that we did, we did a bit of complacency did set in. Um, and I, I wasn't particularly happy with that. And no one played particularly well, to be honest. Um, tough, tough place to go, Morecambe, to be fair. It's a, it's a tight little ground. Um, the supporters, particularly um, behind, behind the home fans, and there's a small sort of token effort of a terrace, to be, to be fair. It's a strange ground, um, isn't it? Yeah, on the, on the on same the model of the, of the Globe Arena, which it's like it's this the, the, their old ground was was very similar. So, had nothing down one side, and then a terrace behind each goal, and then a big stand with seats in it. And they, they kind of haven't really improved on the sort of layout of that, even though the quality of the ground is 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 much better. Very very odd. No, but but it was a nice nice enough place to go. Um, hmm. There was uh, the, the I, I stood in the terrace and. You could go behind the terrace and, and grab a beer at half time. Wasn't the most uh, f- fine surroundings uh, to um, to have a beer. I'll, I'll be honest. I think I sent you the pictures of the beer garden, which was literally a, a hole in a concrete wall. Um, but uh, but it, it was good enough. I, I get the feeling that actually the Cooigs want to do something similar to the to the Valley Terrace at uh, Adams Park, uh, where you can actually go behind uh, at half time and, and grab a beer and, and do things like that. But we'll we'll see if that comes to fruition. That's another. That's another goal. Oh, Senegal just scored 2-1, 2-1. Um, breaking news. Breaking news. But I, uh, yeah, tricky, tricky place to go. And we just, uh, to be honest, for, for most of the game, we just didn't look at the races. And that is quite unlike us, because as I've said in the past, you look at our record against sides in the bottom half. It's, it's been very good. And that's actually our first defeat to a side in the bottom half uh, this season. Certainly with the structure of the league as it was back then. I haven't checked in detail what's changed in the middle since uh, since yesterday. But Certainly, you know, we were doing so well against those teams, which which made it a bit more disappointing. And I was really hoping for a reaction against Milton Keynes, and we just didn't get it. And tactically, we were a bit off with our shape. And I don't really understand why we started with both Akinfilm and Vokes on the bench, because we were lacking that focal point. I understand why Vokes wasn't playing, because he'd only trained for, I think Gareth Ainsworth said, 10 minutes due to having COVID the day before. And um, while I understand that, I think that have him on the bench, but maybe start Akinfemera and then after 60 minutes, you can make that change if you need to. That certainly would have given us a lot more structure in the in the first half. But that side, it was just the, the touches were heavy and there were times when we were, we were overrunning it and the passing wasn't sharp. It just felt like a very sloppy performance. And I, I presume you've seen the goal, George, but that comes from a shot and Stockdale, maybe you could have done better. But the point is he spills it and then him and Tafazoli just both kind of stand there watching it and uh, Twine I think, just comes in and taps it into the, the waiting net and there was just no reaction from Wickham in the way that Milton Keynes reacted in that area. And that that was the big disappointment for me and that's an area we really need to be careful and, and improve on, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's difficult to know where this has come from because if you look at our recent form... Um, you know, winning away at, at, well, since the start of the year, winning away at Charlton, um, winning away at Bolton, um, taking the scalp of Oxford at home, um, you know, the, the three-all draw at Sunderland, that was still a pretty, pretty reasonable performance from our from our point of view. Um, it's difficult to know, 
Wickham were almost almost too poor to to mention against Morecambe based based on recent recent form. It was it was really disappointing because I was kind of talking us up before the game. I I was lucky enough I didn't I didn't drive up and there on, on the same day. I actually went up on Friday and came back on Sunday. I've got some family up there, but um, I've got some cousins who have been to Morecambe quite a few times because it's their local local league team. And uh, I was talking up Wickham quite a lot to be honest, and they really uh, they really disappointed me to be honest. And I think. What um, what is what is key to both those performances is the fact that Josh Scowen was missing for both of them. Now, he's kind of been an unsung hero, I think, in the middle of the park because he's he's one of the few players that hasn't scored. Um, he doesn't get many assists, but he just gives us so much. We just we just have so much better in possession when he's on the pitch, and I think his him not playing as as we really really noticed it certainly against Milton Keynes. I mean, was it the same up at Morecambe as well? Very similar. I mean, he was probably my man of the match against uh, against Oxford, and it, I, I, I may have overlooked him to be honest, because it feels like we've got a strong enough depth of squad. And I actually did a preview for one of the Morecambe fanzines um, before the before the game, and I actually said that in that preview that we've, we're very lucky to have a particularly for a League One team to have a depth of squad whereby if you take anyone out, they can pretty much be replaced. Um, and maybe maybe we've got it wrong with with Scour. Maybe he's the actual, the real pivotal point of view of, of the squad, and you take him out, and it and the, and the the house falls to pieces a little bit. Maybe he's not one of the flair players. He's not you know McCleary, Hanlon, Mametti, Akinfenwa, Vokes, even you know the likes of Jacobson and Stewart, Tapazoli, Those sort of players that they're always in the headlines doing big things. He just does the simple stuff very, very well. And it's not a position that we're shy in either, because you think Curtis Thompson, he can do a good job there. You've got Ollie Pendlebury that's kind of really excelled at the start of the season and then just hasn't featured. I know he was signed for the development squad, but I really like the look of him. I'm surprised he hasn't featured around the first team more. I'm not sure what's going on with Dominic Gate, but Scowan just might be that missing piece that you know, if you take him out, then we're very much we're a lot more vulnerable than maybe we feel we were. Yeah, maybe it does leave us exposed without him. Now we've got um, uh, ten days until till the next game, so we do hope that Josh Gowan will return. But uh, in the meantime, there is an ongoing saga. I'm sure you've read about it. I'm sure you've heard about it. Ongoing relating to Derby County. Now we're not legal legal experts. We're not going to go into the full details of of the what's and the why's, and it's been well documented and well discussed. But this is the bottom line. Rob Kuick has decided that to take legal action against Derby County. He's not suing them. But he is seeking compensation on the grounds that they deliberately, he claims, de- delayed the publishing of their accounts. Had they done it earlier, they would have received a points deduction relating to last season, and that would have put them down into League One and us into kept us in the championship. What are your feelings about this, George? Because it's a contentious issue. A lot of people are sort of saying that Wickham shouldn't be taking this, this um, approach. They should have just left it well alone. Other people are saying that it's Derby's fault. They've, they're the ones that fiddled the books and what have you. What are your feelings on the subject with relating to this claim from the Keurigs and from Wickham Wanderers? Well, as you know, Phil, and I'm sure listeners will know, I'm uh, not usually one to have an opinion on things like this. But... Uh, <laughs> But in this event, I, I, I don't really have a huge opinion. I mean, I think it's probably quite important for us to sort of lay out some of the things that are going on, because I think there's a huge amount of misinformation um, going on around this subject. And I think none, none of the fans are particularly 
well informed about what's going on. So um, from my view, no one wants to see Derby go to the wall. Not me, not any Wickham fan, and certainly not Rob Kuig. Um, so I think we can sort of, we can plainly say that right from the start. But the, the issue is, is that Derby knowingly and very blatantly gambled everything they had to get into the Premier League in a fashion that uh, that broke the rules of engagement, really. Um, and that, and to be honest, this is them paying the price for it. The, the big issue for me is the, the prohibitive way in which they wrote down the player values. Uh, and I think that's key to all of this. Um, so, and everyone, so everyone listening is is sort of clear on this. Uh, when you're asked to submit an account as a as a professional football club, um, what Derby did, it didn't reflect the proper way in which player amortization uh, works. I.e., um, if you've got like a ten million pound player, for instance, uh, and they're on a five year contract, they would. Use two million pounds a year of the value as the contract goes on. You account that in your in your, in your auditable accounts. Um, but what Derby essentially did was guess what that player would be worth at the end of each financial year, and then submitted that number, and that reflected players that were worth more than uh, what they would have done if they'd have gone with the uh, the accounts in the way that they should have done. So that basically meant that it looked like they were um, losing a lot less and possibly even making a profit when actually they weren't because of the way that the club had written down the values of those players. Um, and then also on top of that, you've also got the sale of the, sta- the stadium to, to Mel Morris, to the owner himself, which isn't an illegal practice in itself. But, but how, does, how does this all relate to Wickham, well, no, I, I, with our I, claim, I, this does this does this does relate to Wickham. I think I think it's I think we need to make it clear the, about exactly what's gone on. Um, and, and and what I'm what I'm saying is is that you know when when you when you've got a, a club that sold its stadium sold its stadium, um, it creates a very sort of pungent smell that the club's fiddling the fiddling the books and, and trying to avoid financial fair play. Now, the the claim that Wickham are making um, against Derby revolves around the um, resubmitted accounts, as you, as you say. And I think what Rob Kuig's message is, and, and he, if you haven't heard him, listen to what he said on uh, BBC Radio Derby, because first of all, very fair play for him to going on there. He could have got absolutely, absolutely rinsed on there, but he, he, he stood himself up. I mean, it was a great example of what a fantastic owner he is. And also he's an American lawyer and an American lawyer has come with a, um, a reputation for for being able to to speak very well and 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 and, and being a bit like a, a dog with a bone kind of and thing. A, a trial lawyer, that, so he can argue his case well. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he he was absolutely he was he spoke absolutely superbly on 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 that that line. Now, I think my from my point of view, um, what happened was is that the independent panel who was uh, adjudicating all of this, they fined Derby something. Like, I think it was a hundred thousand pounds. And then they asked them to resubmit the accounts. Um, Derby then took that resubmission right to the very limit. Now, it was within the rules of what the panel and what the EFL wanted them to do. But they knew that it would be too far gone for the EFL to then subsequently relegate them. They knew that those accounts were, were dodgy. They knew that it would it would it would bring them a, a, a nine point a nine point penalty, three three points for every year it, it encompassed because there was there was three years. And they were within their right to do so as 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 part of the the EFL, but I think Rob Rob took has taken exception to that, and that's where Wickham come into this. 
Um, now, once they submitted, resubmitted their accounts, the losses were clear for everyone to see. Derby entered administration. They were dock points for the breaches. Um, and the thing is, I think the thing to remember is the EFL knew this were coming because they published two sets of fixtures, yeah. uh, which is totally unprecedented. You know, and and the panel at the time they they find Derby that that hundred pound hundred thousand pounds, but they didn't deduct any points. And I think um, there was a phrase which they released on the line that it show, shows that cheating the system won't be tolerated. Blah blah blah. Yeah, right. Hundred thousand pound penalty. Well, what's that going to do to a, a championship club? It's it's pittance. So so clearly they should have been deducted points at that moment. Um, or at least if the panel, I'm not sure if the panel were actually able to deduct points, but they could certainly recommend it to the EFL. And that's essentially what Wickham's gripe is, I think. Um, they have they have been punished. This is the this is sort of the point. They have been punished. It's just that the net effect of their punishment is that someone else, presumably, if Derby go down this season, someone else will be the beneficiary of that deduction, whoever finishes fourth bottom of the championship. And the argument is that had they done it when they should have done it, uh, then Wickham would would be that side that that stayed up. So, on one hand, I do I do feel like you know it, it's not our business. Uh, we should stay out of it. I don't like the fact that we're trying to get money out of this club, especially one that's on its knees. But on another point, you do think well. The in that interview you mentioned with Rob Kuig, the uh, the presenter said, "Does this not set a dangerous precedent if if this is successful?" And I think well. Actually, could this not set a precedent if it's not if it if it is going to set a precedent if it's not successful because teams are going to try and do this again in the future? They might look at this case. Let's say we can do get some money out of Derby. Other teams in the same situation might think, well, look, look what happened there. We can't just fudge our accounts. We're going to have to do what we have to do in order and, and take the deduction now because otherwise we're going to be in a similar situation that Derby found themselves in with Wickham. So. I mean, I'd be honest, I think I think a precedent has been set already because, as you say, Derby fans came out and say, well, you know, no one no one sued Birmingham. And, and I'll point out that, that, we're, that Wickham aren't actually suing Derby. They've put a claim yeah, it's, against it's, them. It's yeah. not, not a legal action at the moment. The suing might come in the future. Um, they, they didn't, and there's possibly reasons behind that. My, I think a precedent actually is possibly when... Um, when Sheffield United put a case in uh, against West Ham, and it was proven yeah. that West Ham broke third-party ownership rules when they had uh, Mascherano and, and Tevez, Tevez, but they escaped the points deduction. That sent Sheffield United down. Now, Sheffield United actually claimed something like £46 million pounds, um, worth of uh, lost revenue, etc., which is essentially the same thing what Wickham are doing, but I think they're already claiming something like £6 million. Um, But, and here's the crucial bit, they actually settled out of court for, I think, for sort of roughly half that amount, so just over 20 million quid. Um, and I think possibly if Derby find that buyer, that will probably be what happens what happens here. Um, you know, it, they neither side really wants to take it to court, but it's there, so let's get rid of it. I got a parking fine the other day. I don't really like it, but I'm going to pay the 60 quid because I don't really want to pay the 100 quid that comes when I have to try and challenge it, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, that is a true I, story, by the way. I get my, <laughs> my first ever parking fine. I'm livid. I've had that in the past. It's, we've all been there. But, um, <laughs> I think that I just think that with 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 the Derby case, like I just, on one hand, you do want to stay out of it. But on the other hand, yeah, teams break the rules, and they they should be punished. And I know they are being punished, but it 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 becomes 
it's, it's a really difficult issue, but I feel that, <clears throat> I mean, Wickham are looking like the bad guys on social media, as are Middlesbrough, who are doing a very similar sort of claim. I don't know the full details of that. It's related to points deductions and them getting in the playoffs and so forth. So we are being made to look like the bad guys. Rob Keurig said in the, in the interview, he said, look, are we the only ones that are stopping this? If Wickham stopped their claim tomorrow, would this whole thing go away and Derby be safe? Uh, so we absolutely Derby, not. A absolutely yeah, exactly. not. Whitman and Middlesbrough are quite a small, uh, a small cog in this in this big wheel. Uh, At the same time, we're not helping the situation. They owe, they owe HMRC the closest makes a difference to thirty million quid. You know, uh, once you know if that's resolved, that thirty million quid resolved, then yeah, okay. All of a sudden, the, the spotlight should probably start to come on us as as being things slowed down. As Rob said. He's been very open with the administrators at Derby. He said he's willing to jump on the very next flight if they want to go and meet him. He's been over in the UK for the last few home games. He's offered to meet them. They haven't, they haven't accepted his, uh, his invitation. Um, so it, the ball's in their court, very much in their court, and they've done nothing about it. So I can't, you know, it's very difficult to paint Rob in a, in a bad, bad picture in that, that respect, I don't think. But there's a lot of emotional pleading on them. Um... On social media, isn't there? That when there was an open letter by Derby fans forum to Wickham fans saying, "Please encourage your clubs to stop these claims." And it's very much like we don't want to see why this they, this club what, go under. We don't want to see a community why, club go under. Why but, aren't Why aren't they Why aren't they appealing then to Mel Morris, who still owns their stadium and could probably write off for most of their debt by by selling by selling the stadium back to them? I would say the reason for that is because they can play the emotional card because there's this big campaign of save Derby County. We see it all the time. Every time a football club is in trouble, we see fans saying, you know, save Bury or save this club, save that club. And, you know, it's like no one wants to see a football club go under. And that is literally, I, I would say, the last thing that I would want. And I would I would hate for um, if Wickham's claim to be the one thing that kills Derby. And if that was, were to be the case, then I would, I want, I would want us to cease and desist. But it's it literally it literally cannot. The thing that will kill Derby yeah. is Mel Morris's gamble to get to the Premier League, and then and then subsequently he could he could sign over that stadium to them today. And if they did that, Mike Ashley would bite their hand off to buy that club, and he would quite happily pay Middlesbrough seven million quid and Wickham two million quid. That wouldn't be a problem for him, you I'm know. Mel Morris is 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 is, is the centre of this. If you if you heard what Wayne Rooney said about him uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was very very blunt. And by the way, Wayne Wayne Rooney seems to be doing an incredible job there. I mean they've they've gone from needing a major miracle to a minor miracle. Um, if you look at the form table, they'd be something like 16th if it wasn't for the points deduction, which doesn't sound that great. But actually, when you consider the transfer embargo and everything and all the mm. doom that's hanging over the club, I think that's, he's done it doing an absolutely phenomenal job there. And I. I I think Cardiff actually won this evening, but you know they're they're the what they're the team who are going to get out of this if, if they if if when we get to the end of the season and they survive and, and Derby go down, it will be at the expense of, of Cardiff basically, you know, because they they're having a, they're having a shocker really. I mean, I, I often say there's not enough accountability in football. When I talk about it from this point of view, on one hand, when it comes to Wickham, why aren't we still in the Championship? Okay, there's a number of reasons. We didn't sign the right players because various reasons about us trying to run the club properly. So we didn't invest in that way and we understand why we didn't. We had a very poor start. We had some poor decisions go against us, but also we put in some very poor performances. We shipped to goal lead at Swansea and so forth. And there were there were many games you could go through and pinpoint and think, well, actually, if we'd have played a bit better there and scored this goal or scored that goal or not conceded that goal, 
then we would have stayed up. So we've got to be accountable for that. And I, I genuinely don't feel that right now Wickham should be in the Championship. I think we're rightfully in League One because the season was played out. Having said that, when I talk about accountability, you've got to look at Derby and think, well, they've got to be accountable for what they did in not submitting the accounts on time, allegedly, and the effect it's had on us. So it's a two-way street, and I'm, I, I'm really in a quandary. I, I, I don't like the situation. It's really not a nice situation. I do want Derby to survive. Um, it doesn't sit right with me that Wickham are taking this action, but at the same time, I applaud the fact that Rob Kuig is he wants to protect Wickham Wanderers. He's not here to protect other clubs. He's here to protect his club. And if you had owners that looked after the finances of their own club in the way that the Kuigs are looking to do with Wickham, then you wouldn't have these problems. So I'm very much sort of on the fence about it. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I think that sums up the the sentiments of of most Wickham fans there, Phil. I think you've uh, you've summed that up very nicely. I mean, uh, I take a slightly sterner view in terms of I, I detest what Derby have done in the past. I detest what their owners doing at the moment. I don't think the administrators are uh, handling the handling it particularly well. Uh, apparently, their expense bill for um, for doing all of this is is obscene, um, and and so I take a fairly dim dim view on it. But at the same time. I don't want to see Derby fans without a football club. That's a, that's an absolute, complete and utter disaster. If Wickham were genuinely holding things up, we're stopping them, uh, we're, we're going to send them into liquidation. Um, I, I think ultimately I'd, I'd put my uh, my morals behind me and say, actually, do you know what? I don't want, I, I do not want that to happen. We cannot continue this in any way, shape or form. That is simply not the case, and it will not be the case. Uh, there, there is too many other things that will that will stop this before we can even get anywhere near scratching the surface. Right. So here, we don't have to worry about that, as far as I'm concerned. Here's, here's, here's my suggestion, right? Wickham, um, if they'd submitted the accounts, Wickham would have stayed up, and Derby would have had the points deduction last season. But that didn't happen. So, <clears throat> by Derby having their points deduction this season, one other club is going to be is going to benefit from. Um, Derby having their points deduction. Let's say, for example, that club that finishes fourth bottom is Peterborough United. They've benefited from what Derby did. Therefore, the ruling is that they have to pay Wickham the compensation. How do you think that would go down? <laughs> I would I would love to see... Uh, I'm sure Darren McCantony would go for it. Oh, ...of Alan Swan as he, as he reads well, that demo, that, put it that way. Yeah, uh, we, we would never hear the end of it. We're not hearing the end of it. some kind of live web, webcam thing going on as he as yeah. got that information. Because he would literally explode. I mean, they would, they would, you know, you'd have to check the Richter scale because he would literally explode. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's not going to happen, but we will uh, wait to see how it does play out. But back to matters on the hand, uh, on the pitch, we uh, have a bit of a, a break now due to Cambridge's involvement in the FA Cup. And our next game is a week on Tuesday against Shrewsbury. Um, three, again, I'd say on paper, slightly easier games coming up. Uh, obviously, Morecambe was potentially a slightly easier game and we lost it. And you, nothing can be taken for granted in this league. But you look at the games, uh, Shrewsbury Town at home, uh, Lincoln away, Cheltenham at home, then a big one against Wigan. And then Accrington in February. I mean, what sort of a turn would you be looking from those five matches? Well, I think I'll break it. I'm going to break it down in a slightly different way. So you've got Shrewsbury, Lincoln, Cheltenham, um, who were something like I think they're 17th, 18th, 19th in the league. Yeah, the they're right next. 16th, 17th, 18th. They're right as as yeah. it stands. They're right next um, to each other. And then you've got then then you've got Wigan, but then it, there's that. But then Wigan is then sandwiched by. Accrington, Cambridge, and Crew, um, 
who are all, apart from I think Cambridge are top half, aren't they? But apart from 12. them, that you know, uh, and Accrington are sort of uh, around the about 12, there, 13th, yeah, through in the relegation zone. So, so there you've got six, you've got six games that sandwiched either side of either side of Wigan. I think, I mean, what are you looking at there? Twelve points, thirteen points, fourteen points. We've, if, if we're if we're serious about you know, a promotion push, we've got to assess, especially when you consider Shrewsbury home, Cheltenham home, uh, Cambridge home. I mean, you've got to be looking to nine points from there, and then Lincoln, Accrington, crew away, probably at least another five. Um, you know, not saying we're going to get that, but that's what we've got to be looking at. You, you'd think. I think um, I, it's, it's I, a, I thirteen minimum. Thirteen's your minimum, but actually, if you, again. Your choice of words. If you're serious about getting promoted, 14 points is is from those six games. I mean, the the running is after that. The running is relatively kind to us. I mean, we we do have Rotherham. Obviously, that would be a big one in the middle of March. Portsmouth probably not really going to go anywhere. And then, yeah, getting a bit ahead of ourselves now. But where's the mixed bag? Plymouth and Wednesday. Bag off that really. Um, you've got some toughies in there. You've got a couple of. Um, but we've already played. We've already played everyone in currently in the promotion zone with us twice: Oxford, Milton Keynes, and Sunderland. So, I, I think the running's kind to us, and I think this. I mean, do you think this break is going to do us good? Um, yeah. I mean, I think the last break did us did us well, didn't it? Because we were on the back of a pretty pretty miserable run before, and the break seemed to seem to do us well just before Christmas. So I don't see why. It wouldn't again, and um, I think if you hit, I think the problem with a break is if you hit a team in form who's used to winning, um, it's very difficult to come back from a break against a team like that. If you're coming back against a team that's doing mixed things, or certainly a team that, that's that's a bit down on their luck, it's a lot easier than with a team that's got that winning habit, that that winning addiction almost. Yeah, I mean Shrewsbury just looking at their form. They're, they're our next game. They're three draws and a defeat in their last four matches and they won the one before that so they're not in great shapes and I felt against it which we were a bit rusty having we, we played what two weeks before Christmas and then we had the Bolton game postponed and then the Cambridge game on uh, Boxing Day postponed so that was quite a long break but I think this is only a 10-day break so it's not huge it's not like it's a, a, a I think a two-week break I'd, I'd be slightly dubious as to how helpful that will be but having a weekend off ahead of these these run-ins hopefully we'll get you know Sam Vokes back up to full fitness. Hopefully we get Josh Gowan back, although we don't know the full details. But I think, you know, we, we can we can look back on January as maybe a mixed bag and certainly a surprise set of results. So I think we perhaps looking at the league, we would have expected to beat Charlton and Bolton. I think a victory over Oxford was excellent. A draw with Sunderland was, was good. And then the last two games were disappointing. So, you know, probably a six out of 10 month. Uh, if we'd have won those last two matches, it would, we would have been a nine or nine or nine or ten out of ten. And uh, obviously, we'd just, be just maybe top of the league. I don't know if you've seen our WhatsApp group, but uh, someone just said that uh, Lee Johnson's has been sacked, and apparently, someone's mentioned on said WhatsApp group that uh, in 2021, the calendar year, he amassed the most amount of points in League One. And and yet here we are at the end of end of January and uh, a month after twenty twenty one he's been sacked. And that's mad. That's mad, isn't it? I find it very. I, I mean, I know they got battered by Bolton uh, yesterday, and they've had some pretty bad results away from home. They lost five one at Rotherham. They've had a, they've had a few sort of hidings, but 
They're third in the league. They're two points off top. And they're seven points clear of Plymouth in seventh in the playoffs. Haven't played a game more. I know they've played as uh, the same as, as ourselves and Milton Keynes. They played the highest number of, of matches in the division. But it's really not, not, the manager? It's not mean, controversial to say that if if they keep Lee Johnson in as manager to the end of the season, the worst case scenario is probably they end up fourth or fifth. Yeah, you'd think that's the worst case scenario. I, I cannot see they're not going to finish outside the playoffs. They're not. They they physically they physically will not. I mean, do you think they've got someone else lined up, and that could be the reason? Hopefully, we'd hope so, wouldn't you? But then, but, but then, but then, why would you? Because actually, previous to the last couple of games, the form's been not too bad. Yeah, I mean, they've they've only won so one. They've won one and drawn two of the last five. Time. They've, 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 they've been damn quick about lining someone up if they have, if they have, that's for sure. But, uh, okay, let's put it this way. If they'd have lost 1-0 or 2-1 to Bolton, would he have been sacked, do you think? Or do you think the nature of that defeat is... It, I, whatever goes on behind closed doors of that club just never ceases to amaze. They've been doing it for years now, and, and look, where they, look where it's got them. Nowhere. Yeah, and I really thought with these new owners in, they would, uh, they would be a lot better off. You know, I yeah. thought that, you know I mean? I've texted a son and uh, pal of mine uh, who goes up there quite a lot. He's, he's Wickham-based, um, but he, he does go to a few games, so I'll, I'll see what he says and report back on the next one. I mean, they've beaten Portsmouth. They drew away at Accrington. They were beaten by Lincoln, and that was obviously a, a bit of a disappointing result, and obviously they're 3-3 with, with ourselves. So it's not been a terrible run. They've not. They've played, obviously, we're up near the top. Portsmouth is just about mid-table. They haven't been playing anyone really high up, but well, I mean, I, Gareth, I find it if, very strange. If we'd have sat Gareth Ainsworth after some of the runs that, that Sunderland have, have just been on, he'd have been sacked about 20 times by now. Yeah, and it's just, it's, it's almost like a sort of Watford approach to hiring and firing, isn't it? Although Watford's obviously down near the bottom, but it really is, I, I really, I don't get it, I'll be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just try and have a bit of a quick look for it. I know we're not a Sunderland podcast, but it is relevant. I mean, look at their, look at their next three matches. They've got Doncaster at home, Cheltenham, who are on a really bad run away, and AFC Wimbledon away. So they've got a fairly good run to respond to this sort of poor defeat to Bolton. You, you know, you'd, you'd fancy them to, to, to pick up points there. So, again, very, very strange. Um, you know, I, I'd have thought, OK, if, if he then goes on to lose to sort of Doncaster and Cheltenham, then maybe maybe you'd start thinking about, about changing the manager. But this hiring and firing approach, I don't think it's going to come good to them at the end of the season. I can't um, see who they're going to get who's best, to be honest. I mean, how long's the transfer window got left? Well, it's tomorrow, isn't it? So here, get someone in quickly to hire and fire. <laughs> to, to pick Do they need many new players? They've had a few problems with COVID as well. Um, they don't need any players. From what we from what we've seen of them, they don't need any players. I mean, I thought looking at them against Wickham, that was the the best Sunderland side I've seen in the time they've been in League One. Just basing them on the games right. against Wickham, they went from a side that was scraping draws to a side that was rudderless, and we beat them one 0 in the famous Darius Charles game to a side that actually looked like they had purpose and direction and, and played well. So. Very, very odd. We're going to wait to see how that, that plays out. And who knows, our paths may cross with Sunderland again. We'll just do a quick prediction for the next two games. Shrewsbury at home, Lincoln away. What are you saying? It's got to be two wins, isn't it? It's got to be two wins. Is Aaron Pierre still playing for Shrewsbury? Uh, uh, interesting. interesting to see him. I think he is, actually, yeah, by the looks of it. Um, 
I'm going to go. I mean, our, my predictions weren't too great, were they? The, the last the last week, because I think I said something like a three-one at Morecambe and a and a uh, a one-all at Milton Keynes. So we've got that one wrong. So let's go for um. Go to, let's go two-one Shrewsbury. Uh, and what do you want, Lincoln as well? Go on. Go one-nil against Lincoln. I'm going to be slightly less optimistic. I'm going to say two-one against Shrewsbury. I think it might be a one-one draw at Lincoln. Yeah. Don't know. Do you think that might be the one that we, we drop points and then hopefully we can if, if we do drop points, of course, bounce back against against Chelsea. One of those strange one of those strange ones that's you know Lincoln's quite well connected with Ainsworth and sometimes that has an effect. Yeah, it? and they've they've picked up form recently, of course. So yeah. Yeah. But much to happen between now and then. Uh, that brings us nicely to the end. We will be back. Uh, we're going to have a bit of a break in February, purely because the game has become thick and fast, so it's going to be difficult for us to keep on top of them and keep the pod relevant. But we will be back uh, in the middle of March. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at Wonder Podcast. And many thanks for all your comments that we've had and all the uh, the people that have downloaded and listened. We, we really do appreciate it. It is, it is a labour of love, so we do hope that you enjoy it. Uh, anything further for you, George? No, just hopefully we, we pick up form. Um, Senegal are winning and hopefully England win the cricket. Yes, hopefully. It'll be stranger things have happened than England winning cricket, have they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much, everybody. All the best and uh, take care yourselves and we'll be back soon. I'm wandering with you. <laughs>